Hi, boys and girls. This is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Danger at Midnight by Steffi Adams. Iowa, July 6, 1881. 15-year-old Kate Shelley gathered the damp clothes into her apron and raced toward the cottage. That was close, she said as a fat raindrop plopped smack dab onto the top of her head and rolled down the center part in her long brown hair. Kate scurried into the cottage just as the darkening sky spilled open. Slamming the door and bolting it against the wind, she ran to the window. There she joined her younger sisters, Mamie and Margaret, and her brother John to watch the sheets of slanting rain pour from black boiling clouds. The old clock ticked away the hours and still the rain fell. In the blinding flashes of lightning, Kate watched gentle Honey Creek transform itself into a swollen, rushing monster. "'Mother, you should see the valley. It's like a huge bowl filled with water,' Kate said. She shivered. "'You don't think the trains will be making their runs, do you?' Mrs. Shelley pushed a strand of hair off her flushed forehead and glanced up from the sizzling pan on the cook stove to answer her daughter. Then, Seeing jagged streaks of lightning through the window, she shut her eyes and stopped up her ears with her index fingers. Oh, I hate thunder, she said. That next one's going to be close. Sure enough, a series of booming thunderclaps shook the cottage. When the rumbling skies were calmer, Mrs. Shelley opened her right eye, then her left. Thank God we're still safe, she told the children. We'll just hope and pray that no one is out in this storm. The hours crept by as the Shelleys watched and prayed for the storm to end. The clock was striking 11 p.m. when Kate suddenly cocked her head toward Honey Creek Bridge. "'Mother, listen. Did you hear that bell?' Kate asked. "'There it goes again. That couldn't be a train, could it? In this storm?' As she spoke, they heard a thundering, earth-shaking crash, followed by the terrible hissing of steam. Even the raging winds took notice and were shaken into a grave-like stillness. Oh, mother, it's number 11. They've gone down Honey Creek Bridge, Kate shouted. Someone must help them. She thought for a moment, then squared her shoulders. I must help them. Mrs. Shelley shook her head and gathered the frightened younger children around her rocker. I can't let you go out in this storm, child. I lost your brother by drowning, and I don't intend to lose you, too. But what if I can save someone's life? "'Shouldn't I even try?' Kate asked. She picked up a small miner's lamp and hung it in the frame of an old lantern. Mrs. Shelley grabbed Kate's arm. "'Child, you can't even swim. Why, you're deathly afraid of water. How do you expect to help anyone?' "'What am I to do, Mother? If Pa and James were alive, they'd go. But they aren't here. Don't you see? I have to go.' Kate began filling the lamp with kerosene. Seeing the worry lines engraved on her mother's face, she said, "'Haven't you always taught us that God makes strong the weakest? "'And he makes the poorest of us able to endure much for his merciful purposes,' "'Mrs. Shelley said, finishing her favorite saying. "'The worry lines were completely erased, and her face grew peaceful. "'Yes, I believe that, Kate.' "'She handed Kate an old straw hat and added, "'Go then, in the name of God, and do what you can. "'We'll pray God to keep you from harm.' "'Kate kissed her mother and unbolted the door.' Now don't fret, I'll be just fine, she said. Bracing herself against the fierce, screaming winds, she lifted her skirt and splashed out into the rising waters. When her eyes had adjusted to the inky blackness, Kate scrambled up the steep bank behind the cottage. Nearby, she saw a section of track that had not been flooded by the rushing muddy water. 
Swinging her lantern before her, Kate stumbled blindly down the tracks toward the collapsed bridge. Minutes later, Kate stood beside the swaying sections of Honey Creek Bridge. Is anyone down there? she shouted into the howling wind. A burst of lightning lit up the steaming, twisted wreckage, and Kate spied two men in the floodwaters twenty-five feet below. Both men were hanging onto the overhanging branches of stout trees. Frantically, Kate swung her lantern from left to right. Yoo-hoo! she yelled. Here I am! Up here! One of the men saw Kate's lantern and called out to her again and again. Each time his words were muffled by the whistling wind and the crack of thunder. Hoping that he would understand her, Kate yelled, I'm going to Moingona for help! Hang on! I'll be back! Slipping in the cool, oozing mud, Kate muttered, What have I gotten myself into? She trembled at the thought of the one and one-fourth mile trip to the station house and of the swollen Des Moines River that lay between her and the town. At that instant, a terrible thought flashed through Kate's weary mind. The pusher that had crashed had been checking the tracks between Moingona and Boone. That means the Midnight Express will be coming into Moingona soon, she thought. I've got to warn Agent McIntyre about the danger. Holding the lantern above her head, Kate ran down the path beside Honey Creek. With every passing second, her heart pounded harder until she thought it would surely burst. What time is it, she wondered aloud. Oh, dear God, let me make it in time. Precious minutes flew by as Kate followed the lantern's faint, flickering beam. What if the train should catch me on the bridge? No, I won't think of that. In a sudden flash of lightning, Kate saw the 500-foot Des Moines River Bridge just ahead. Overflowing with foul-smelling rubbish and broken fence posts, the river slapped at the bridge's unprotected railroad ties. At every movement, the swaying timbers groaned as if in pain. Kate stiffened her back and took a deep breath. She put one foot on the slippery bridge and, holding out her arms, balanced herself like a tightrope walker. Now don't look down, Kate, she whispered. As she stepped onto the bridge, a gust of wind playfully fingered the lantern's tiny flame, then snuffed it out. Kate sucked in her breath and froze in the sudden darkness. God makes strong the weakest. Instantly, her mother's saying captured Kate's runaway thoughts. She felt the prayers of her family covering her like one of mother's homemade quilts. Trusting in God, Kate knelt and began crawling along over the rough wooden railroad ties. Time after time, Kate's bulky, sopping wet skirt caught on bent nails, and she had to brace herself to keep from falling into the raging waters below. Sharp splinters jabbed into her bloody knees. Still, she ignored the beating winds and crawled inch by painful inch across the bridge, every breath a prayer for her safety and for the lives of those on the train. Kate was almost halfway across the bridge when a burst of lightning lit up the angry floodwaters around her. There, in the swirling waters, Kate saw a monstrous, uprooted tree hurtling toward the bridge. She gripped the rail so tightly that her knuckles turned deathly white. Oh, God, she prayed, help me. She shut her eyes, waiting for the terrible collision sure to come. Foam and icy water sprayed over her as the tree's branches scraped the bridge. The bridge itself pitched from side to side like a bucking bronco while Kate held on with all her might. As she prayed, the bridge heaved and the tree shot forward under it, leaving the wobbly bridge unharmed. Kate's legs felt as useless as wet noodles. Still, she inched her way toward solid ground. She could have cried with relief when she finally crawled off the bridge, but picking herself up, she sprinted the fourth of a mile to the station house. 
Stop the express! Honey Creek Bridge is out! Kate shouted when she finally burst into the station house. The men just stared at the wild-eyed, dripping figure. The girl's touched in the head, night operator Ike Fansler said, shaking his head. Agent McIntyre disagreed. It's Mike Shelley's oldest daughter, he said. The girl ought to know. Quickly, Ike sat down at the telegraph keys while another worker rushed to light the red warning lantern beside the tracks. Nearby, a waiting engineer blew the whistle of his own side-tracked pusher engine. As the shrill whistle pierced the night, sleepy townsmen poured from their houses carrying ropes and shovels. Kate, do you feel up to going back with us? Agent McIntyre asked. I'll try, sir, Kate said. Her head was throbbing, and she really wanted to lie down between crisp, sun-dried sheets. But for now, she had a job to finish, and with God's help, finish it she would. Kate did finish the job. Before the night was over, she watched the townsmen rescue both the engineer and the brakeman of the wrecked pusher engine. Not until days later, when the searchers had discovered the bodies of the last two crewmen, did Kate collapse. For many days, Kate hovered near death. She knew nothing of the poems and the newspaper articles being written about her. When she awoke and her mother told her about the excitement, Kate just said, Imagine that, me a heroine. Yes, Kate Shelley was a national heroine, and people could not thank her enough. From the Grateful Express passengers came several hundred dollars. The railroad company and its employees rewarded Kate with a gold watch and a lifetime pass to ride the trains. Even people whom Kate had never met helped the Shelleys. In 1882, the Iowa General Assembly voted to give Kate a gold medal and $200. The Chicago Tribune collected money to pay off the family's debts, while Francis Willard, the temperance leader, raised enough funds to send Kate to Simpson College. Kate didn't expect all the fuss to last, but in 1903, 22 years later, people still remembered her. When she became station master at Moingona, a train always stopped at the cottage to take her to and from work, and at her death in 1912, the railroad company sent a special train to carry her family and friends to the funeral. Today, a sturdy bridge, the Kate Shelley Bridge, spans the Des Moines River at a spot four miles from the site of Kate's Crossing. On the bridge is a plaque which reads, Hers is a deed bound for legend. A story to be told until the last order fades and the last rail rusts. Kate Shelley is still remembered. The story you have heard today is from Guide's Greatest Stories, written by various authors and compiled by Randy Fischel, and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church.